This is the Wide Awake Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsten Kazarian. As a child psychologist, I believe the most important part of the work I do is supporting parents by helping them deeply attune to their child and find their own balance of connection, nourishment, and inspiration. To do this, I lean on the practice of mindfulness. Join me in a conversation about raising our kids, raising our consciousness, and trying to stay awake. Welcome to episode 12. Today we're looking at temperament, yours and your child's. I'm going to explain the nine different traits that make up our unique temperament, and as we go through this information, I'll try to highlight some examples of what this could look like in your child's behavior. There's a term that psychologists and child development specialists use when talking about parent-child relationships, and that's goodness of fit. How well does your temperament fit with your child's temperament? This is often at the root of many of our parenting issues and why we may have more trouble with one child than another. Siblings are the ultimate science experiment. They're built-in comparison groups. Parents with more than one child are often more quickly convinced about this whole temperament thing because they've seen it and they're wondering, why did this work fine with this child but seems to be a disaster when I implement it with my other child? temperament. I think it's really important for caregivers to get the gist of temperament so we can set realistic expectations for our child and not get caught up in pathologizing our child's normal, albeit annoying, behavior. After we get clear on what your goodness of fit looks like, I'll make some suggestions of how you can best leverage this information to benefit your relationship with your child. This is meant to be a preemptive episode, a tool for you to start using now to stop some seriously negative interactions from forming between you and your child. Understanding temperament gives you clarity on what your child prefers, how they interact socially, what behavioral issues are more likely to be present, and what power struggles they may find themselves in with you, their siblings, friends, teachers, and so on. As far as our mindfulness skills go, our child's temperament pushes us to use our skill of acceptance, accepting they're different from us or their well-adjusted sibling and are not necessarily going to change. Research suggests temperament is a fairly fixed trait, or maybe accepting that they're terrifyingly similar to us. We'll get back to that in a bit. So parents bring their children into therapy all the time because of issues that the child's having at home or at school that are in the scheme of things normal. And this doesn't mean that the family doesn't need support. And often they benefit greatly from slowing down and exploring what's going on or bringing information back to a teacher or coach. But does this mean the child needs to be diagnosed with a psychological disorder? No. As we learn more about temperament, you'll probably be able to identify before I point it out to you, the children that'll more likely get caught under a magnifying glass from parents and teachers. Temperament is innate. We're born with it. 
but it doesn't mean that friction must be the only path forward. Some children will need more support or very explicit guidance from adults during different activities or interactions. Let's take a look at the nine traits of temperament. Because there are nine different pieces here, temperament can look really unique for all of us. Think about each trait as a spectrum for which an individual may be high or low on. One is sensitivity. And this sensitivity can be from noise, texture, flavors. So what would the impact look like here? Well, is your child having sleep issues and it ends up being it's because they're actually uncomfortable with the texture of their pajamas? Are you sensitive to noise? So when they experiment with yelling or they cry, you start to lose your cool really quick. When relevant, I'll include a possible magnifying glass moment for us to better understand how this temperament trait may make it more difficult for our child to fall in line or under the radar of parents and teachers. So for sensitivity, a magnifying glass moment is when a child could become overwhelmed in the classroom or at a restaurant due to literal sensory overload and they begin to cry or act out. Two is activity. Everyone has a different level of activity they're naturally inclined towards. Can one of you entertain yourself happily for an hour and the other prefers to be active, engaged, and be outside? Does one child happily take breaks while your other child can go, go, go? A magnifying glass moment here could be a child keeps getting out of their chair during dinner or keeps getting up during story time. Three is intensity. Does your child express their feelings strongly and experience their feelings strongly? Or are they more reserved and hard to read? How does this match up with your emotional expression style? A magnifying glass moment here is that a child may cry more easily after falling down or being rejected by a peer. Four, adaptability. Does your child need a lot of prompting for changes and transitions? Do they love their routine and get pretty thrown off if it changes? A mismatch here between parent and child, especially if the parent is really fly by the seat of their pants adaptable, can cause a lot of problems because your child's less adaptive temperament requires you to be extremely organized in order to keep the day-to-day the same and foresee changes and give your child a a heads up about these changes. A magnifying glass moment could be that a child becomes upset to realize they're not able to sit in their usual seat at snack time. Five is mood. Is your child generally in a good mood or are they serious and see things from a more negative perspective? This mismatch can offer insight for you both, but at its worst, it can be draining. Optimists and pessimists can really wear each other out if special attention is not given to validate the feelings of the other. And a magnifying glass moment here could be emotional issues can be tricky to identify if a child is super sunny in their perspective or if they bend towards gloom but are not actually depressed. Six is approach and withdrawal. Is your child cautious or slow to warm up to new situations or do they jump right in? 
If you embrace all things new, keep in mind it may take a lot more energy for them to keep up with you with this. Or a grocery trip with a very approachable child may cause some anxiety for a shy parent now caught in a conversation with every other shopper in the store. And a magnifying glass moment here is all the children are playing together at a park birthday party except for your child who clings to your leg the whole time and eventually wants to join, but only if you'll come with them. Seven's persistence. How much of an effort does your child make? Do they keep trying and trying to figure something out until they get it? Or do they get frustrated and give up pretty quick? Persistence is important for learning and attaining goals, but when turned on parents, it can mean you find yourself explaining why you're saying no all the time and maybe even caving on your decision to say no. Magnifying glass moment is this child can have difficulty following directions when they're in the middle of one of their own projects. Eight is regularity or rhythm. Is your child fairly predictable? Do they want to eat around the same time, have a poopy diaper around the same time every day? This rhythm may make them easier for you to attend to. It can take more energy for both parent and child to keep an irregular child regulated. And nine's distractibility. If your child is easily distracted, it may seem like they're ignoring your request when they lose focus on their way to the bathroom to brush their teeth. On the bright side, they may also shift focus from being upset quite quickly. If you're easily distracted, it can be frustrating for a more sensitive or high needs child that you know needs your support to feel regulated at all times. And a magnifying glass moment here, well, there's too many to count. Teachers and parents, can we can really, really notice the kids that are easily distracted and we get frustrated with them pretty quick. So mindfulness is an important practice for distractible children and adults. So let's pause here. I want to check in on how you may be feeling about this information. If you're realizing, wow, we are not a naturally good fit. All is not lost, not by a long shot. First, acknowledge your bravery for recognizing this and sitting with some disappointment. But here's the thing. You already knew this. You already felt the small struggles that kept popping up in your relationship with this child. Nothing has changed. We are simply naming it. So now that you have this information about your goodness of fit, what can you do? Well, absolutely practice patience and compassion for both yourself and your child. Recognize that it's okay to adjust your expectations, and it won't be the last time you have to do this as a parent or someone in a relationship with another person. So it's good practice. This may be a long and personal process. When I bring testing results back to parents, it's often a relief to understand why a child and even parents have been struggling. But it's also heavy to realize that maybe your parenting duties will be more intensive and different than that of your friends, family, or even the way you parent another child. This may be a good time to take inventory of the supports you're connected to, whether it be your tribe, a good school system, or an excellent therapist. Once you have done this, it's easier to move forward and manage your parenting with intention. Accepting your child's temperament and making adjustments to your routine and to the way you respond to them 
makes everyone's life easier. For your child, they get to experience feeling accepted for who they are. And this will absolutely ignite immediate success in your bonding and relationship. Enjoy your child's innate skills and teach them new ones. Think about your child's qualities that may be different from others in the family. How can these catapult them into success? That persistence that is exhausting when aimed at you can serve them in the future for getting through a tough graduate program or inventing or creating something even when others tell them it's impossible. But in the present moment, for your sanity and for them to understand how to respect others, you may need to implement a behavior plan that focuses on helping them accept rules and social norms and the wishes of others. I see this a lot, especially with easygoing parents that had also kind of an easy temperament first child. It feels really uncomfortable to have to all of a sudden set a lot of rules, make consequences for small things that were never discussed before or were an issue. But by doing this, you're helping them to be successful and connecting to their current environment while honoring their authentic self. Do some inner work. What do their differences or similarities with you or their other parent bring up for you emotionally? Some parents find that it's not so much their child's behaviors that are tripping them up from connecting, but the way they feel emotionally about these traits, similarities, and differences. A theme you'll hear on this show is that we must understand ourselves because we're deserving of this self-care. And the benefit to our child is our stuff doesn't become theirs or get in the way of our relating to them. They'll have plenty of their own stuff. Get creative. If you've identified a similar trait between your child and yourself, then how have you managed this? Share that with them. If they have a different temperament from yours, you may be unsure of how to coach them here. Explore with your friends, partner, or siblings. Start noticing others with these traits that manage them effectively and get curious about how they're doing this so you can offer your child some healthy choices. And of course, if some of the things we've talked about are causing distress in you or your child, connect with a professional and start a conversation with your child's team, teachers, doctors, coaches, grandparents, etc., What are they noticing? Bringing the team in helps us gain perspective. It helps us to weed out whether or not this is our concern due to our expectations or if this is really something affecting our child. Trust your gut and keep exploring if you feel like no one is seeing what you see. To find the show notes for this episode or to share your feedback with us, go to wideawakeparenting.com. If you found this episode useful, help others find this resource by sharing the episode, rating the podcast, or leaving your feedback in iTunes. All right, that's our episode. Join us next time for a special Valentine's Day show all about love and the wellness benefits of showering ourselves and others with it. I'm Dr. Kirsten Kazarian, and until we meet again... Be gentle with yourself, courageous on your path, and let's help each other try to stay awake.